Safe Start's Chief Client Officer, Mr. Don Wilson. Don, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Danny. I'm very happy to be with you here today, even if it's only virtually from our chilly studio up here in Canada. Danny, I would be very happy if it was in person down where you are in the warmth of Alabama. Yeah, January here in Alabama is probably a bit uh, bit warmer than where you are for sure. So <laughs> you've got that right. Oh gosh, um, yeah, I think we got down to like a, a brisk, I don't know, forty five last night. So anyway, don't be jealous, right? Uh, so Don, if you would let me pull back the curtains just a little for our listeners here uh, at Safe Start, we're primarily in the safety error prevention business, helping people to make fewer mistakes that lead to injuries twenty four seven. And we start with the premise that no one chooses to get hurt. So when an injury does occur, something unexpected has taken place. And more often than not, that unintentional human error is one of the main contributing factors to that unexpected event. But Don, you you really developed a different way of looking at this error problem. And in addition to asking how do we help people make less mistakes, You've also looked at what people do when they want other people around them to make more mistakes. What people do repeatedly when their professional success depends on getting other people to make as many mistakes as possible, well, how do they do that? So we've asked Don here today to join us and elaborate on this idea a bit for our listeners. Okay, Don, uh, I don't think you'll get much pushback from the idea that we are all motivated not to make safety mistakes. So if, if you don't mind, let's just pick up there. Right. So as you said, Danny, we're all motivated not to make safety errors. I mean, after all, no one likes to get hurt or wants to deal with the immediate consequences of pain and suffering. I, I mean, it hurts. But it's not just safety mistakes that have undesired outcomes. Almost every unintentional error we make has some resultant negative consequences that we would all prefer to avoid. Absolutely. Yeah. I think maybe a few examples of performance errors and some of the consequences associated with those that fall outside of the realm of safety might really help our audience to understand kind of where you're going with this. Okay. I got you, Danny. So sure. If your organization's CEO makes rash strategic decisions during stressful business cycles, well, then bankruptcy and the loss of jobs, including yours, is a real possibility. Now, if households in your community mindlessly continue to run up high interest credit card debt, entire families might end up homeless and hungry on the street. That's better known as fiddling while Rome burns. And if you personally, and I know I've done this, if you make the mistake of saying something foolish in front of your peers, (laughs) they will likely laugh at you and you will experience the immediate negative hit to your ego and loss of self-esteem brought about by embarrassment. In some Eastern cultures, this is known as losing face. Now, no one would choose to make any of these unintentional errors because they waste our time, waste our money, lower morale, and as we noted earlier with safety, they get people hurt. So from an efficiency standpoint, it would be helpful if we could predict when and why people are most likely to make mistakes, not just to avoid injury, but all of the other negative consequences we just talked about. That makes sense. All right. So let me jump back in for just a moment here. You asked earlier, what if your professional success depended upon getting other people to make as many mistakes as possible? Uh, Our listeners may be asking, what kind of profession would depend on getting other people to make mistakes? 
Well, Danny, our listeners and you will have to think a little bit outside of the box to answer this question. When it comes to unintentional errors, there are a fortunate few among us who are highly paid to cause others to make mistakes. I'm referring to professional athletes competing in team sports like football, basketball, soccer, or baseball. In almost all competitive sports, there are two opposing sides involved in what game theorists refer to as a zero-sum situation. That, that is to say, one side's loss immediately becomes the other side's gain. So, inducing mistakes in members of the opposing team is built into the strategy employed by players, coaches, and managers. Now, if you've ever watched a professional game on TV or just watched your own hometown teams competing in person, you'll have seen firsthand that any unintentional mistakes by the opposition team results in a win for your side, and quite frankly, vice versa. What you might not have noticed is that both sides purposefully try to induce stressor states in members of the opposing squad while actively trying to restrict the development of these same states in their own players. Sure, makes perfect sense. So let's get real specific here. Let's think in terms of the, the safe start states that we talk about. Let's, let's start with rushing. Sure, so in American football, the defense routinely rushes the quarterback, hoping the result is more interceptions, incompletions, and fumbles. Those are mistakes that benefit the defensive team. Now, fighting fire with fire, the offense routinely employs a no-huddle, hurry-up system that induces rushing and, over the course of the game, fatigue in the opposing defensive players. Right. And when I'm watching football on TV, if one side is losing badly, you, you often hear the commentators say that their defensive players have been on the field too long. What they really mean is that over the course of the game, the defensive players have become fatigued. Okay, up next is uh, frustration. In basketball and soccer, individual players deliberately induce the stressor state of frustration. And they do this by taunting, hacking, and fouling members of the opposition team. And they, the reason they do that is to get inside their heads and subsequently throw their game off. Absolutely. And, you know, Don, as I've seen you present this before, I've seen you had a picture at one time in one of your presentations about uh, Kobe Bryant and I think it was Ray John Rondo, who were actually great friends. But on the court, that's exactly what they were doing, trying to get in each other's heads by causing that frustration. So I, I see where you're going with that. I also seem to recall you talking about a very famous example from World Cup, World Cup soccer uh, that happened a while back. You're referring to the championship game in 2006, France versus Italy. Now, you may recall for most of the final, it looked like France would win the game, but then their best player, Zidane, was red carded and ejected from the match after he headbutted an Italian player named Materazzi. France was shorthanded for the rest of the game and Italy wound up winning the world championship. But the headbutt wasn't a retaliation for a rough tackle from the Italian player. Zidane lost his cool when Materazzi verbally attacked his family, repeatedly taunting him on the field, saying terrible and insulting things to Zen about both his mother and his sister. Now, Danny, I don't claim to know either man or their families, but I have a working theory. My theory is that Materazzi had never actually even met these women <laughs> and that he bears no real ill will towards either of them. 
My theory is that he said these things strategically in the hope that he could make Sedan so angry that he would make a mistake. And as you might recall, that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And that frustration probably cost France the World Cup in soccer. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Uh, talk a bit about uh, fatigue as well, Don. Sure. Uh, so if you watch baseball, what you'll see is that baseball managers closely monitor the number of balls thrown by their pitchers on the mound, as they know this is a leading indicator metric for the stressor state of fatigue. And that fatigue leads to opposition runs scored, which in baseball is a quality problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And that pitch count is, is, is critical and one of the vital, as you said, leading indicators that managers watch during the course of the game. All right. Uh, let's talk a well and kind of take us home. No pun intended talking about baseball uh, <laughs> with complacency. Sure. So the playbook of almost all coaches and managers employ rarely used what are called trick plays. And the trick plays exploit the complacency and lack of focus that's fostered through the normal routine. And that exploits the stressors of complacency and habituation. Now, this dual management approach is used deliberately and methodically in almost every competitive sport played around the globe because literally millions of hours of actual experience has demonstrated its effectiveness. The side that reliably makes fewer mistakes both by inducing and avoiding these stressors during each game, well, they usually win. Absolutely, yeah. And if our listeners want to see that in action, I'm just just go out to YouTube. I mean, you can, can YouTube trick plays or uh, even trick plays that failed, and you can see the opposing players had their mind on task. Sadly, uh, I guess, Don, you and I didn't really have a chance to make it in the big leagues. Uh, you know, I was hoping for competitive curling myself, but, uh, you know, the shoulder arthritis and then, well, I grew up in Alabama, not Canada. That didn't work. So, uh, but anyway, outside of sports, there are many examples of work situations that exhibit this same competitive situation phenomenon. You know, Danny, I'm also a little upset that I never got to play competitively, you know, or at least professionally. But as they say, you know, the older I get, the better I was. Absolutely. But, you know, talking about these competitive situations at work, wherever and whenever the environment is also zero sum, the same deliberate inducement of stressors is always employed. So some familiar examples of this effect would include these situations. Trial lawyers verbally harass, or in courtroom terminology, badger, opposition witnesses on the stand. And the reason they do that is to expose inconsistency in their testimony by inducing the error-causing stressors of rushing and frustration. Military commanders use strategies like lulling the opposing army into a false sense of security. And they do that by ceasing all attacks for an extended period of time and then surprising the now complacent enemy with overwhelming force. That's the stressor of complacency followed by the stressors of rushing and panic, which over a long period of exposure was once diagnosed as battle fatigue. Police interrogators routinely make known criminals who have been arrested spend long periods of time in cramped and hot interrogation rooms, which are also often very brightly lit. And they do this in hopes that they will have worn down their suspects. And when they're worn down, they will let the truth slip out and confess their guilt. And that employs both physical and mental fatigue stressors. 
There is even a game now that you can watch on Netflix called Awake, where contestants can win up to a million dollars in prize money. But in that game show, all competitors are deprived of sleep for 24 hours just to make the challenges they face that much more difficult to accomplish. The producers of the show obviously understand that inducing enough of these stressor states causes increased rates of both mental and physical errors. And that makes it almost impossible for the contestants to win the big cash prize. So in all walks of life, wherever competitive situations arise, people have learned that a small and consistent or a Pareto type set of physical and mental stressors have shown themselves to be reliable and effective tools for getting people to make mistakes. And this same small, consistent set of stressors also arise in individuals naturally, even when other people aren't trying to induce the occurrence. Yeah, that's right. Dan. I mean, if you think about your own life, it's easy to get into a rush trying to get to work on time and then get frustrated with the slower drivers who seem to be parked in the passing lane. Sure. It's impossible not to get so comfortable with the routine of our daily commute home that we eventually start to arrive in our own driveway with no conscious recollection at all of how we got there. And although most people don't have to contend with a hurry up offense on a daily basis, we all end each day fatigued by our hurry up lives. Sure. These stressor states are built into our daily existence and reliably lead to unintentional errors. And those errors waste our time and money, damage our relationships, and occasionally get us or our loved ones seriously hurt or killed accidentally. That's why it's so important to include human factors in our training. And as you ably demonstrated today, it has a great deal to do with performance. And the inference that we can pull from these is that these concept, concepts should be applied in quality and in production. And it, Don, it's been a real treat to, to have you here today. And it, if folks want to reach out to you directly, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? Hey, Danny, before I let you go, it's, it's been a real treat for me as well. And in terms of contacting me, that's easy. Just email me. It's Don, D-O-N, at safestart.com. Again, that's Don at safestart.com. And uh, Danny, thanks again for having me as a guest. As I said, I enjoyed my visit with you and with your listeners. Thanks, Don, so much for spending time with us today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And as always, remember to share this podcast with some other folks as well. Uh, and as a reminder, if you have a subject that you'd like for us to cover, or if you have someone that you think it would be uh, interesting for us to talk to on the podcast, uh, you can drop me uh, a quick email at danny at safestart.com. Uh, almost as easy as Don's, like just a couple more letters. Uh, danny at safestart.com. Uh, thanks again for listening for Safe Talk with Safe Start. I'm Danny Smith.